This is the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. Episode 26, Wreck-It Ralph. It just worked. This podcast, and every podcast, is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks. And... Because you are a fan of the Rotoscopers, we have a special deal for you. If you go to audibletrial.com backslash the Rotoscopers, you can get a free audiobook with no streams attached. Head on over there. You can pick out an old favorite or even something you've heard a lot about and want to find out more. So head on over to audibletrial.com backslash the Rotoscopers for your free audiobook. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. I am your host, Chelsea Robson, along with Mason Smith. Howdy. And Morgan Stradling. Hey, guys. So how was your week, Mason? It's It's been good. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just going through the fall semester. So other than that, uh, <laughs> I usually don't talk about video games, but since this this episode is so... We're going to have so much stuff about that. My buddy, uh, he pre-ordered a copy of uh, Assassin's Creed 3. It's like the, the latest game that, to come out. So it's all about these two clans. There's Assassins and there's Templars. And, and you know, one, Templars are evil and Assassins are, are good, I guess. And you're, you're, in the, you're in the American Revolution. So you literally, run, in the game, you run into non-player characters like George Washington and Ben Franklin and, like, Paul Revere. It's kind of a cool game. Like they, it's a totally awesome like game engine. Uh, video games have come a long way. This game can display twenty five hundred characters on the screen at once. Wow! Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. There's parts where you're literally in a huge battle between the British and the revolutionaries, but you're in the middle of it. Yeah. And like, wow. there are thousands of characters fighting each other, and you're like, you know, doing like a little mission or something in the middle of it. And everything's really high resolution. You're so high resolution. Uh, and everything's really big. Like, this game is seriously epic. Um, there's some videos on YouTube called Inside Assassin's Creed 3, and it talks about some of the motion capture that they do. And it, it, they really did a good job, and of course the technology's come a long way. Um, I was super impressed with this game. I think a lot of people are going to have problems with it because it tries really hard to be historically accurate. Uh-huh. You know, if it was just totally out there and had nothing to do with history, then people wouldn't care. Um, but I've heard, I've, I've seen some people roll their eyes at this game. And so it, it's crazy. Like it used to be with 25 cents, you could uh, take down a giant centipede or you could be in a maze chomping on little pellets. <laughs> but now the gamer experience has turned into this huge immersive world. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just crazy. But anyway, um, uh, I, I stayed up way too late last week watching my friend play this game. And it's pathetic because I never even got to play it. Oh, but I got so addicted to this game that I didn't even own. <laughs> you didn't even play. Yeah. You're just addicted to the movie then. Like, I get addicted to watching it, I guess. I don't know. Well, anyway, he beat it, he, he, my friend beat it two days ago, so I'm kind of free from it. But Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start playing Pokemon Crystal some more. <laughs> um yeah and it, oh also recently um so i got i got a buddy who's a programmer him and i've been friends since since we were like 14 and uh he's really good like he's over he's down at university of texas in austin and he's doing like artificial intelligence classes and he's doing like all sorts of programming classes for game design and then uh, about half a month ago he came up he 
talked to me on Facebook and he was like, hey, um, you're really good at like graphics and you can do art and stuff. Why don't we just start a video game company and, and see where that goes? Nice. So I was like, so I was like, okay. So yeah, I mean, um, I've kind of started this little venture with this guy and we're going to start making some Java and flash based games and, and probably go on to, um, uh, apps for, for tablet or, or iPhone. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. Like it's really cool. Like, um, we're, he's got a game engine up and it, it there, he's got multiplayer stuff working and, um, I'll, we're just kind of working on the graphics and like ideas for it, but it's like really cool. I hope it goes somewhere. And it, as we get games up and stuff, I'll be sure to, to include links and stuff. But, but yeah, that's kind of what's going on. It's nice to be like involved in a big project in my life, you know? Oh yeah. That is no, that's really cool. You'll have to keep most definitely keep us up, up to date with what's going on there. Most definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> So, you know, I was going on and on about Assassin's Creed 3. It really is a cool game. And, you know, it's available for order on Amazon.com, um, you know, for a self-Christmas present. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy this game for kids, that's for sure. But um, <laughs> uh, the great thing about Amazon is that they got, um, they've got the standard and limited editions for Assassin's Creed 3. Um, they also have the deluxe digital download edition. Um, you know, directly onto PC. And they also have, you know, for hardcore fans, you can get the encyclopedia and the steelbook editions, and they all have different combinations of features and, and DLCs and, and lock, unlockable stuff. But if you're interested in this game, why don't you go to our Amazon affiliate link on therotoscopers.com? It's a quick and easy way to support the show, and I'll explain. You click on the link, you go to Amazon like you always do, you do your shopping, but at the same time, we get rewarded for for every time a fan uh, accesses Amazon through our affiliate link on the website. So just remember... Um, you know, for you know, for ordering games or for ordering soundtracks or, or movies, just go through our affiliate link on Amazon.com. Uh, it's super quick and super easy, and uh, you get to support the rotoscopers while you're doing it, guilt free. Hey, you moved my stump. I'm gonna wreck it. I can fix it. bit of news is just a reminder that we are still editing up our 2012 best of show and we have been getting a few of these fan reviews in and i just have to say that they are just just awesome so we want to hear more so i am so excited for this show and you guys should be too uh it really just makes our day to be able to hear your guys's reviews um so if you haven't figured out how to do it all you have to do is you can go to the rotoscopers.com backslash voicemail you can just push a couple little buttons record away and it'll send it right to us it's that easy so even if you're just on the road and you happen to have a smartphone you can just go to that website you can type in www.therotoscopers.com backslash voicemail. Just push a few buttons and it just goes straight to us. We're so excited for this and we can't wait to hear more of your guys' reviews. Give us a shout out. We will give you a shout out. The deadline is December 1st. So get on it. 
So our next news story is Disney has bought Lucasfilm, which is George Lucas's company. If you don't know, you've been living under a rock. Lucasfilm is the company that makes the Star Wars series, which are incredibly popular, and they make uh, special appearances in the Disney parks. So Disney bought Lucasfilm for over $4 billion. Um, to put it in comparison, when Disney bought Pixar in 2006, they bought Pixar for $7.4 billion, so nearly half of what they paid for Pixar, what they paid for Lucasfilm. And so what I think is really interesting about this is they didn't just get the the Lucasfilm movie division and characters. I mean, that and alone is a big deal. The whole Star Wars franchise, just to be able to buy that and the rights to make more movies and the, and the studio that does it. But they also bought Skywalker Sound, which essentially every movie in the industry uses Skywalker at one point or another. Or so it seems when I'm watching the credits of films, it seems Skywalker sound is always down there on the bottom. So that's a big hit. And then also Lucasfilm animation. They've done the animated Star Wars films and most likely they're going to do some other things. And then also ILM, which is Industrial Light and Magic. They are the big... Whoa, whoa, whoa. So they took (laughs) ILM also? Yeah, they're the big special effects studio. That essentially any movie that needs special effects work, ILM is the place to go. I mean, they've done Transformers, they've done everything. And I read that, you know, this this purchase will actually save Disney $20 million a year just because now they own ILM. And so they can kind of <laughs> have those costs be like way cheaper. Like maybe if they made a new Pirates of the Caribbean movie, you know, there's all these special effects that go into that and all these other things that, hey, we need special effects for our movies. Okay, we'll just go down the street. Well, it's not really down the street, but, you know, they own it now, so costs are significantly uh, less, Dude, which is really nice. That was Rango. Like, yes. Industrial so Light Magic did that film. That's why this is... Is Rango that- a Disney character now? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if they'd actually do that. That's like our discussion of like, if if they bought Swan Princess would or Anastasia, would they be Disney princesses? So, <laughs> But that also takes you to think, um, what about Princess Leia? Is she also a Disney princess? Yeah, you better maybe. believe it. <laughs> so yeah, the fact that, um, I mean, Rango was pretty revolutionary. It won the Oscar. And I, I can imagine... I don't know where they're going to go with this, if they're just going to not do any more ILM animated features or if they're just going to kind of use the technology and the people there. Either way, it's a win for Disney and this is a big hit. Yeah, for sure. So our third bit of news is about our topic today. Disney's Wreck-It Ralph triumphs despite the storm Sandy. Even though during this time when you know the tropical storm has just devastated a lot of the East Coast, uh, even with all of this, Hurricane Sandy and all, Disney's Wreck-It Ralph still was able to bring in a huge amount of $49.1 million in 372 theaters on opening weekend. Ooh. Whoa! Yeah, that definitely shows some resilience right there. Yeah, it set the record for the biggest non-holiday opening for a Disney animation film. Wow. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I also read that, you know, because a lot of the people on the East Coast, kids and, and whatnot, they were out of school. They kind of took advantage <laughs> of things that would take their mind off what was That's happening. True. A lot of people went out um, and saw movies, and Record Ralph was obviously a big part of that. Yeah, why not? <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I mean... We just want to, we hope all our fans and listeners in New York City and other places affected by Hurricane Sandy, we just hope they're all right and we wish them the best.
so let's all uh, sit back and relax in our nerdy couch discussion here. <sighs> um, <laughs> and now, uh, so okay. Well, first of all, we want to welcome Morgan onto the show. She might sound a little funny because I think she's at like in a college building. <laughs> yeah, I'm on campus, and I had to. I was able to get a room, like a private room. Uh, yeah. This room is super echoey, and I, it was either that or go outside and risk. Um, you know, whatever is outside. I don't know. Yeah, guys playing hacky sack. Other trips are outside. I've been scared. So. Anyway, um, okay, so we're on the subject of video games because uh, we are reviewing Disney's Wreck It Ralph, amazing film. Um, it goes without saying that that gaming is is a big part of animation. I mean, the gaming market is huge. It's never going to go away. You know, I recently stumbled on an interesting article on animationcareerreview.com, actually, uh, titled The Top 100 Most Influential Video Games of All Time. Um, so with your permission, we're going to go through each one of them and discuss each one for about 20 minutes. I'm just kidding. But uh, it, it's an interesting list, um, whether it's technologically influential or just like culturally influential. It had some really important games. Uh, in the top 10... Um, uh, Wii Sports, Legend of Zelda for the NES, the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Space Invaders, they all made it into the top ten. Do you guys know? Do you guys know which one made it to number one? It has to be Super Mario Brothers. It has to it, be. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the original <laughs> Super Mario Brothers uh, for the NES, uh, the number one most influential game of all time. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, who had what? You know, how many Mario clones have you seen? You know. Anyway. Everywhere. Honorable mentions in the top 100 lists were uh, Oregon Trail, you know, everyone's favorite in the fourth grade computer lab. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> hey, mine, mine goes back even further than fourth grade. That was like, that was like first and second grade for me. Yeah, I remember playing it on the old Apple computers before they uh, yeah. made a Windows version. Boy, that one was tough. You had to like walk your dude around when you're hunting, but you also had to shoot. And the animals were super fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, Oh, anyway, the, the trials we had as the youngsters. Oh my gosh, I, I could I could go on and on about Oregon Trail, but anyway, uh, other honorable mentions: uh, Lego Star Wars. That's a super sweet game. Uh, mm-hmm. Super Smash Brothers, of course. Uh, Miss Pac-Man, uh, one of the first games with a female protagonist. <laughs> um, you know, and so that was a big step, I guess. Now, uh, Wreck-It Ralph features a ton of cameos by video game characters uh, and even more reference to other games. So, just to make this fun. You know, uh, Morgan, I, I know Steven's a big gamer. I play some game. You know, I play games. But everyone has those video games that they always played growing up. And maybe they still hold on to them today. So what are, were, you know, whatever, what be your top five video games growing up or today and why? Go Morgan. Okay. So my family was a Nintendo family. So we didn't have PlayStation or Sega, but I was always envious when I'd go over to my friends and play their Sega, but I always thought Nintendo was the coolest, and I still do. So for that reason, most of mine, actually all of these, are Nintendo games. Uh, I do have I, some arcade games, but those don't count. And, and kind of the reason these lists, my top five, um, they go essentially by order of the amount of times I've played and or beat them. <laughs> so uh, some of these games I beat, I'm not even kidding, 20, 30, whatever times. It's... Yeah, I could play them in my sleep. So my first one is Super Smash Brothers and Super Smash Brothers Melee. Awesome. That is the classic game that you, that I could play with my friends and and kind of get in with the guys, being like, "Oh, you play, you play Smash Bros? Oh yeah, I play Smash Bros. Oh cool, 
Jigglypuff. You don't really play as Jigglypuff, do you? I actually play as Jigglypuff a lot because she has the one-hit KO. Yeah, which be dead. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's a good game. I, I, um, that was Morgan's way of flirting in high school. <laughs> really funny story is on the last day of school in high school, our freshman year, we had a last day of school, but like the te- all the teachers were instructed to tell us not to come on the last day of school. It's true. Like it was a day that was on the books, but for some reason, since finals were already happened, it just they didn't want us to come. They ha- wanted it, but they wanted everyone not to come and just start your summer early. So a bunch of us, I don't know why we thought this was like such a cool thing to do, but like they brought their GameCube and we like hooked it up to the TVs where you'd watch announcements. And we just like played for a few hours during this non-school day, school day. And uh, so that was a funny memory. Uh, really nerdy. Like really, could we not have like taken this to someone's house and played on a big screen? Like that would have been way cooler. <laughs> okay, Morgan, we literally did the same thing at the end of really? our senior year. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, they were like, all right, uh, no, it was uh, my senior year. They're like, all right, all seniors, they technically have to be here, so go to the gym, and uh, we have all the equipment, so play dodgeball or play basketball or do whatever you want. So um, me and, and my best friends from high school, we were like, uh, I'm going to bring Smash Brothers. So we did that. Um, that's awesome. All day. It was awesome. We did the same thing at Thespian uh, at Convention when I was a senior. Oh. We, uh, we stayed you. at a hotel. <laughs> Thespians. <laughs> uh, just, just oh my gosh. You, you and my little sisters are just the same. Um, and we played that all night at the, um, <laughs> at the hotel. All right, go on. What's number four? Okay, number four is Super Mario World. Um, this was actually the first game we had on our SNES, and SNES was our first um, game that we first system that we bought. Yeah. So that one I love, and I can beat that one. I know all the secret worlds and the bonus worlds and whatever, oh, so that's a fun yeah. one. Next one, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. This was another early purchase for us, and since you know our inventory of games was low, this, as a result, was one of the ones we played multiple times. I love this game because you get to go to the dark world and you go to the light world and you know, it's a classic Zelda game where you have the three um, pendants that you have to get first. And then later on you have a bigger world that you have to get like eight or so medallions or in this case, crystals Um, loved it. Just absolutely love that game to death. And now that it's on game boy, that's even more awesome. (laughs) And then the next one, of course, anyone who grew up in my generation or of course, younger, uh, Pokemon Red and Blue. Oh, I think yeah. I, I didn't actually own a copy, so I always kind of switched off before wh- whichever one was available at the time. And I, yeah, you know, I mean, there's so many memories, you know, oh, is Mew really under the truck or, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, beating the Elite Four and then, you know, training and all of the secret, you know, codes that, you know, p- don't push B to evolve and, and all those things that classic. Um, I definitely like thought I was so cool. I didn't go for strong Pokemon at the time that, you know, like was an actual legit team. Like I thought I was cool by doing like lesser known Pokemon that weren't as strong, like Rapidash and Dugong. Cause I thought it was, Oh, no one has those in their lineup. So this wow, is going to be rolled with Dugong. Yeah. And I lost all the time. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so that, um, I love that game and definitely can just always go back and play that one. And then the last one, 
I could talk about this game forever. But The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time for the N64, it completely revolutionized video games and like the way you went about beating a game and, and how yeah. in-depth they were. Um, I, I played that game more than all of these other ones combined. And it's a long game, okay? So <laughs> pretty awesome. And I am a hardcore lover of all things Zelda, but especially this one. And the new Zelda game came out, and it is like a serious contender. Uh, Skyward Sword for making this game as the best Zelda game of all time. But I still think because this one was like the first of its kind, and it's really revolutionized all games since, uh, this one is definitely my favorite. Go Zelda. Yeah. (laughs) Go Zelda. Go for it, Chelsea. Um, okay, so we weren't the biggest gaming family, but my brothers did have a lot of games around. Um, so they loved, well, first off, my parents were like, all right, you know, we'll get the, we'll get the, the Nintendo. And one of the main ones, of course, Duck Hunt. Um, I will be honest, I often would go back to that just so that I could play Duck Hunt because I (laughs) love that game. But yeah. then later on, we ended up getting the Super the Super Nintendo, and that was, you know, revolutionized our house. There were a bunch of games on there that we got that just kind of stuck around, and we never really, we didn't ever go out and get new ones too often, but when we did, they were like the game that stuck, that just ruled our house for a week until my brothers could beat it. So, you know, there was one um, that we never ended up beating and we only would ever get to like a certain level and then we could never get it. And it was Battletoads. Oh Did my you guys gosh. Ever do Battletoads? You do realize that Battletoads is, um, it's, I think it's supposed to be the hardest game of all time or something no, it like was, that. Yeah, it was insane. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it, that was one that's like still on my list of like, that would be so cool if I could beat that game, but I'm never actually going to try again. Cause that would just drive me insane. Um, but it, it, it kind of like, there's a snake level. We got up to the snake level and which was only like level four. And like, it was insane anyway, but we spent a lot of time on that one. And um, then we, number three for me, probably as far as like time played, um, we, when we finally got the N64, we only ended up with like one game and it was Goldeneye. So, oh yeah. well, we had like three or four games, but it was forever. The only one that we had was Goldeneye. So we played that one so much and I knew way too much about that one. Um, number two, going back to Super Nintendo, Donkey Kong Country. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I remember my brothers, the first night they got it, we got it for Christmas, and they spent seriously all night long, did not get off, and they just, like, played, 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 played until they beat it. And it was just, like, the longest thing. And I think one time my mom ended up, like, saying, all right, I'm going to turn it off. And they, like, up, it was a huge uproar. No! Oh, right, that's just my house. <laughs> um, and then number one, because it was the game that we played over and over and over and beat multiple times, was Super Mario World. Woo-hoo! So, woohoo! Oh. <laughs> my number five oh. is your number one. Yay! <laughs> wow, pretty good, awesome. <clears throat> All right, so my top five, my top five were kind of hard, but um. Okay, so number five, um, this game will always be in my heart. 
it was the very first video game that I ever had to myself. Um, and that was Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the Game Boy and Game Boy Color. I like I can beat that game with my eyes closed because I've played it so many times. Like it is like the coolest game. First of all, it took like six years for me to beat because uh, I was six <laughs> years old when I first got it and I didn't know anything. Um, there's this I can remember the one room that left me stuck for literally years. And I did everything you could in the game around that, but I, I just couldn't progress. And I remember how excited I was when I finally figured out that room. Um, so yeah, um, my first video game. Loved it. Um, number four, uh, for PC, it was a first person shooter called Aliens vs. Predator. It was really cool because you could be a space marine or like an alien or the predator from the Predator movies. Um, it's just like really super fast action game and you can play it online. Like I played on steam all the time and, uh, it's an old game, but it's like really cool. It's definitely one of those like quake unreal tournament games. <laughs> Number three is 007 Goldeneye Cause I played that game literally for like 250 million hours. Oh, like yeah. I could not get enough of that game. Like my buddies would come over and we'd play multiplayer and it was amazing. Um, that was a good game. Do you ever do you ever go back and play a game that you couldn't beat like a long time ago, but you're like in your twenties now, and, and I guess you're a lot smarter, so you you just kind of like beat it. And, <laughs> huh, that's kind of weird how it was so hard back then. Yeah, yeah. That's how I felt with Goldeneye recently. But, that's uh, hilarious. <laughs> I like two days ago, I finally beat the train level on Double O Agent. And I got to play the, and I got to play the Egyptian level. Like after all these years, I finally figured out how to do it. <laughs> Fifteen years later, <laughs> it, it sucks. You have to like position yourself just right to where you can shoot the guy who's holding Natasha hostage or Natalia hostage, and then shoot the the psycho girl behind him. And then if you manage to kill her before the train door goes down, it gives you more time to crack the code and you can escape. But, like I didn't know that till like two days ago. <laughs> My life is complete. <laughs> Bucket list uh, complete. Yeah. Number two, of course, was uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time for N64. I, uh, Majora's Mask was sweet, but I, I always go back to Ocarina of Time because it was like, you know what's crazy? The, the, last, the, the last Zelda game before Ocarina of Time was Link's Awakening. So they go from this, like, you know, tiny Game Boy screen, and that was Zelda, to, bam, this, like, huge world. You know, and everybody was like freaking out because it was all 3D and you could do anything and you could do all this stuff. You could ride a horse, you know. Um, mm -hmm. it, it is the ultimate Zelda game, in my opinion. All right. Number one, of course, and this is a game that I've beat like so many times. I've devoted, devoted so many hours on car trips and waiting in the doctor's office and at high school uh, was Pokemon Blue for the Game Boy. Nice. Oh my gosh! Like that game pretty much raised me. <laughs> like, <I'm not> gonna <laughs> <lie>. <laughs> oh, um, I've wasted my life. <laughs> I I love Pokemon Blue. Like, um, not red, but blue. And um, like, I never got into the cards. I never got into the the anime or the movies or or anything. But Blue version is like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. You know, my first RPG, pretty pretty much the first game that I really played for a long time. 
<laughs> and, um, dude, I just remember all the excitement of trading and battling. Dude, so many battles with my friends and so many, like, trips through tall grass to <laughs> level up my Pokemon. So many trips to Cinnabar Island to uh-huh. get 99 plus rare candies, you know, um, and just the satisfaction of naming your rival like a bad word and hearing <laughs> Professor Oak refer to his to his grandson as that word. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then beating him at the end of the game. <laughs> oh. Awesome. But yeah, um Pokemon Blue, that is the top video game of my life and uh, I'm not afraid to admit it. Love it. We're all clearly Nintendo biased. <laughs> oh, look at yeah. this. Okay. We all have at least one in 64 game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was more of a Game Boy kid, and then I had an NES, not a Super NES, but y'all both have Super Mario World. Um, yeah. Oh, you have original Nintendo Chelsea Duck Hunt. That's I right. Do. I do. My brother actually also had a Sega Game Gear. And so oh, sweet. that was my only uh, venture into the Sega world was through him. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty awesome, though. It also, it also had like a an attachment that had you could turn it into a TV. I mean, this thing was pretty sweet. Uh, they didn't yeah. even none of those things came around till like a lot later. But uh, so I did get into Sonic the Hedgehog through that game. Through hey, so I I do know Sonic, but other than that, we just we always only had. I mean, I guess the problem is you you can only really afford to buy one system, you know, at a time. Oh yeah, unless, yeah. unless you're like, you know, parents. unless you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now that we're feeling all nostalgic, uh, let's let's jump right into our discussion for Disney's Wreck It Ralph. Love it. Top shelf. <laughs> Okay, so moving on to our main discussion on Disney's Wreck-It Ralph. So anyway, so we, we moved past the previews, and without without any warning, Paperman shows up. Like, there's no warning. There's no, like, okay, here's the new short from Disney. It just... <laughs> It just boom showed up on. It just boom showed up on the screen. What did y'all think? Oh, Paperman! I loved it. You know, we've been waiting for this one ever since the beginning of the podcast. Like we since, talked about uh, it. episode two. Yeah, episode two. That was a big podcast for us. <laughs> hug, 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 hug. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I just thought it was really cool. I, Morgan, and I saw it, saw it originally at Destination D. And we talk about it a little bit more in that episode. Yeah. But it was really cool to see it in 3D. And I felt like it was kind of looking through like a viewfinder. Like it was it was animated, but then it like was just really deep. And it was really cool. The story itself for me was just whimsical, romantic, and just really lighthearted, like really fun. I liked it a lot. Yeah, seriously. So y'all saw the movie in 3D? Yes. yes. 
Okay, I saw it in two. I saw it. We didn't have an option. I would have preferred to see it in two D, but yeah, some of them three D pictures it kind of hurt my eyeballs. But um, but yeah, we went and saw two D version. So what do you think about Paperman? Oh, dude, I was blown away. I forgot y'all saw it already, but um, I thought it was really cool. Like we talked about it revolutionizing animation and making this like seamless blend of three D and two D back in in the uh, Iron Giant episode, and they were totally right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they did it. Like they looked like 3D models, but they moved like 2D. Like you couldn't really tell they were 3D models, and it looked like it looked like all the facial features and everything on their faces and certain elements in the environment were 2D, like hand drawn. But it was just cool. Like it was really a perfect blend. Gave me that honey glow in my cheeks, <laughs> and uh, and and that was because it still had Disney personality. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and that's like a fresh love story, like how it works and stuff. Kind of, it kind of sort of reminded me of Anita and, um, Paul, oh, yeah. and, <laughs> Roger. and Roger, except they didn't, they weren't like angry at each other. Yeah. And get but, like pushed into the lake and then they laugh because they put the wrong hat on each other. Please just go away. Take uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Five seconds later, honor her, cherish her in sickness and in health. That's, that's how Disney works. But I like how they didn't, I like that how they didn't, they just cut it off with them meeting and then they showed some cute scenes of them like going on a date like afterwards. Mm-hmm. During the it's like, I thought it was super, super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I liked, I thought it was a cute little film. Um, you know, we like Chelsea said, we'd seen it before at Destination D. And what they didn't show, which I kind of wish they would have showed this in the the credits instead of those little scenes of them, they showed us kind of like a work in progress and they showed how each step was done. So at first they showed the, the CG model. They, they showed the scene where she's standing and it's like a close up of her face and her hair is kind of blowing around. So there's a CG model and then there's kind of an outline of the 2d sketch on top and then the actual uh, 2d layering and the way it is it's like the 2d picture kind of like sticks to the model it, it's like a smart layer and so if the model underneath it moves it's going to adjust uh where it needs to the lines and stuff and obviously they're going to like do it very as carefully as they can but um yeah and so they kind of showed this progression and i kind of wish they would have shown that in the theaters is during the credits because it would have I feel that some majority of the people in the theater had no idea that it was this revolutionary thing. I think yeah. they just, oh, that looks cool. Something's different about it, but, you know, whatever. Just went over their head and they moved on. So it would have yeah. been nice to kind of, like, show them, like, oh, this is how we do it. Uh, but they didn't. But I love the story. I thought it was cute. And, yeah, just a little happy love story. And like you said, I'm glad they didn't, like, show us at the end. Like, this is how it ended. And, and then they got married. Like, no, it's just... <laughs> And we're going to let it go. You know, this is a story about meeting and like re reconnecting, I guess, even though it seems impossible being separated in a giant city, like, will I ever see this person again? And yeah. the, the point of the story was that you can, and they did, you know, through the, the paper airplanes and, and their mystical involvement, which they never explained how that worked, but we didn't need to know how it worked. It just did. Yeah. That's cool. That you, that's cool that they kind of showed how they did it. Like step by step. I didn't see any of that. Mm-hmm. But the whole technique kind of sounds like that deep canvas technique that they pioneered for Tarzan. Yeah. I think we talked about that back in episode two anyway. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's cool. And this is leaving me wondering like what the application is. Like, is this an expensive technique? Like, could they go into making 
more films with using this technique or like cartoon series. Cause like the way I see it is that like cartoon shows are always trying to make things streamlined and to like make their pipeline so efficient, you know, that they, that they can put out episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I wonder if this technique could be used for that. Yeah, I see. I don't know if this technique is more expensive to use because you're kind yeah. of like blowing up on your animation in a way. Uh, I imagine it probably is a little bit more comprehensive, especially since I think 2D artists get like have much higher pay rate. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, because I think uh, CG animators, from what someone told us, we interviewed David Vanderbilt, he said they kind of become dime a dozen, you know, there are just so many. But the 2D animators, because a lot of the new animation students, they're not really learning the 2D in school, and so it's kind of like the old masters and the guys who are good at it. But I don't know, I mean, I, I don't see them using this for a TV show, but I guess they could if they could perfect everything. But I heard that they were trying to you know, use this as the test ground for you know, to see potentially how it works and then they can expand it into a movie, which would be really cool to see. Yeah, that would be cool. I would love to see that. Yeah. Like honestly, it's a beautiful technique. Yeah. Cool. Paper man. Loved it. (laughs) Awesome. My name's Wreck-It Ralph. I'm going to wreck it. 30 years I've been doing this. I can It's hard to love your job when no one else seems to like you for doing it. You're just the bad guy who wrecks the building. I'm okay. I'm okay. If I'm really honest with myself, sure must be nice being the good guy. Ralph, you are a bad guy, but this does not mean you're a bad guy. I don't want to be the bad guy anymore. Ralph abandoned his game. Welcome to Game Central Station. Bad guy coming! Everything changes now. Where's Ralph? Sorry, Cubert. It's me, Ralph. Ralph's gone to hero's duty? Fear is a four-letter word, ladies. You want to go pee-pee in your big boy slacks? Keep it to yourself. From here, are you? Sugar Rush? You're game jumping? Hey! Aha! You wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? Aha! You hit a guy with glasses. That's, that's well played. Without Ralph, we're doomed! They're gonna pull our plug! What's that? A medal. I earned it in Hero's Duty. It's not that kind of duty. I bet you really gotta watch where you step in a game called Hero's Duty. Some nights I stay up casting in my pad. We can't change who we are. You can't mess with the program, Ralph. Everyone here says I'm just a mistake. You ready for this? What do I stand for? Not leaving you here alone. Let's close out with the bad guy affirmation. I am bad. And that's good. I will never be good. No, 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 no. And that's, that's not bad. bad. All that thought. There's no one I'd rather be than me. Why do I fix everything I touch? It's make your mama's proud time. I love my mama. Oh, good. The cops. Hold still. Ow. Take that. What are you doing? One game at a time, Ralph. So here we are, our 26th episode. 
And it's just amazing how far this has come. But just thinking back to episode two and then also the test screening, this movie, Wreck-It Ralph, has been a really big part of the podcast thus far just because it kind of came around when we came around. So we got really excited about it. Um, and as you can see, like, there was a lot of audience hype for this. Mm-hmm. Did Yeah. I think Disney marketing did an incredible job perfectly tailoring this, their advertising campaign and their marketing campaign to the right people. You know, oh, they didn't hit, they? They hit the gamers where it counts and all the gamers I know, I mean, they came to the theater and they came with their gamer shirts on, you know, an old school yeah. show <laughs> or a Pokemon shirt. And it was funny. My brother went with me and he like, he didn't think as many gamers would come out as there were. He's like, dang it. I wish I would have known. I would have worn my Pokemon shirt. <laughs> but then like, they also hit the kids. Like I know my niece and nephew were pumped. You know, I've probably been playing on all the cartoon stations. And then, like, my parents went and saw it on their own accord. I mean, so they did a great job in making this seem like, no, this isn't a kid's show. This isn't just, like, a hardcore gamer show. Like, this is a family movie that you're going to love. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. What a brilliant film. Like, I remember when this first came out, and I was like, when we first got wind of this, and I was like, what? Disney? Like, they're going from Tangled to this? Winnie the Pooh was in there, too, in between this and Tangled. It wasn't CGI. And Tigger too. Yeah, yeah, true, true. <laughs> and Tigger too. Thank you, Chelsea. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, um, gosh, like visually, it's the f- it's the freshest animated film I've seen in a long time. But I've also been terrible. And the last animated film I saw in theaters was Brave. But I'm going to put my faith that it's the freshest thing I've seen in a long time. Of course, it's got you know the classic Disney plot. And we should also inform our listeners that this is the spoiler-included version of the Wreck-It Ralph episode. So watch out for that. But it was it was a positive and entertaining movie, like super positive. But it also had enough wackiness to make it kind of like unique and have its own personality as a film. It reminded me a lot of Meet the Robinsons. Yeah, I can totally see that. Especially in the in the second half of the of the film, yeah, I, I really love it. It was awesome. I you know I was just as excited as my nephews to go see this. They were so psyched. They're like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" I'm like, "I know." As it all ended, I just felt like you know if you went into this sad, you're gonna come out happy. If you went in happy, you're gonna come out euphoric because it was just that good. You just it hit all the right bases and. For me, like, I really believe that it was one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. And I just couldn't even look away for fear that I would, like, miss something hilarious because it was just coming at you all the time. Yeah, totally. So I, I got I got one big question. We're on the subject of video games here on this on this episode. And we've all seen what happens when they try to make animated films or cartoon series out of video games. Mm-hmm discussing and preparing for the show we talked about legend of zelda cartoon in the 80s uh super mario brothers show granted that that was the 1980s that was it was was. but they've tried other stuff you know recently they tried to put out a street fighter film you know they've put out some animated resident evil film they even tried tekken like um it just doesn't work and then uh you know i don't know about this new halo 4 live action miniseries that they're putting out um my guess is that it sucks but um <laughs> but wreck it ralph is different you know Making a mini series out of that oh man. yeah um halo 4 forward unto dawn uh isn't that the weirdest title 
Halo 4, Forward Unto Dawn. <laughs> and its prequel, Backwards Into Twilight. <laughs> and its side quest, Sideways Into Midday. You know? Um, I'm just not convinced. So my, my question is, why, why is Wreck and Ralph different? What makes it so much more successful, whether it's the marketing that we've discussed or just the substance of the film? Why is it being set apart and set on this high spot over all these video game series and, and movies? Okay, I think there's two main reasons why it's happening. One, it's a story about new characters. So yes, it's a video game story, but it's not a story about the Street Fighter gang, or it's not like Donkey Kong the movie. You know, they didn't try to revamp characters which already have a huge fan base. When you have a you know franchise that's popular, you know, every successive thing that you do, there's the risk of upsetting the fans, right? Whether it's coming out with a new game or potentially venturing into movies. So, I mean, with Wreck-It Ralph, like, no one knew who Ralph was. And so there weren't really any expectations from fans because, one, there weren't any fans. There were just video game fans as a whole. So I think that's one thing that really set it apart. I agree. It was total just this didn't have any unmet expectations because you weren't trying to reinvent or even rewrite something. It was just... This is a world that you are familiar with, but totally different people. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of creating a new franchise. And so the second thing is they, you know, they pandered to the video gamers, you know, by tastefully bringing in the old characters. And, you know, sometimes they even broke their character a bit, I felt. But, you know, this wasn't a movie about all those side characters, but they were able to fit them in where it was necessary or needed. You know, and when they did it, it was funny, clever, nostalgic, and cute. You know, it made you laugh. You'd like to see those cameos because, as people, we love to see cameos for some reason. But, I mean, like, t- the, the use of the game tapper like it totally makes sense that you know when everyone clocks out of work they're going to go to the bar and you know then they're going to get a few beers right and of course they're going to go to tapper it's just like yeah. it was hilarious and made me laugh yeah, yeah. They did a really good job with that yeah ken and ryu hanging out at the tapper <laughs> bar <laughs> what, what was up with them making fun of zangief the whole time like he pulls out a speedo and he's like oh zangief <laughs> what? it was funny i loved it I thought it was funny too. Like it's hilarious. I guess I heard somewhere um, uh, that the screenwriter used Zangief as a as a bad guy, and a lot of there was when the that trailer came out, there was a lot of uproar by fans because they're like, he's not a bad guy, you know. But then the screenwriter he's just was, misunderstood. Yeah, he's like, well, you know, to me, he was a bad guy to me because I, uh, <laughs> you know, he was he was always that last character that I could never beat. So me growing up, Zangief was a bad guy, even though technically he wasn't. I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> huh, not bad. So let me get this straight. So if they made the cameo characters, like the real video game characters, a bigger part of the movie and even gave them parts of the movie where they actually moved the plot and changed it, do you think fans would have had a problem with that if they made their roles bigger? I think so. Like, I think if, like, instead of Fix-It Felix coming with Sergeant Calhoun, it was, like, Sonic yeah. to, save, you know, to save Ralph and everyone. I don't know. I think that would... I don't know. I think it would have. I think it totally would have because it has to fit into their storyline as well. You know, you, it's like any type of cross movie. It has to make sense in that world. And if you already have built up all these rules, it becomes a Sonic film. And also they would have to pay a lot more money for Sonic. <laughs> yeah, like you got to remember that. And I I have to remember that it's a still it's a Disney film. You know, it's not a it's not a Capcom or a Nintendo or, or a SNK film. So y'all are making a lot of good points. And I agree, like if they ever 
and let's hope they never do. If they ever make a Legend of Zelda movie, oh, I want a Legend of Zelda movie. Even though I, it'll never be would, good. But who? It would never be good because a fans would be watching it like hawks. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and that one little inconsistency or that one you know false interpretation. You know, the color of Link's tights. Are they going to make him white or brown? You know. Uh, who's going to play Link? Is he going to talk? Because you know he doesn't talk, except his, like, grunts and stuff. But he has to talk in a movie. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Maybe they'll yeah. make a silent film, like the artist. <laughs> they'll make oh, a no. silent film. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, the artist was great, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I know that that's what would happen if they made, like, a high-profile game character movie. But anyway, I just want to ask that, and I agree. Um, I think this film was super smart in how many cameos and references it made. So let's talk about some of these characters. But, but first, uh, let's talk about how how they like design these characters. Like, I I think it's safe to say that this movie is an animation masterpiece because they do so much with it. Not only do you have did they have to model shade light and like create a world for one game, they had to do it for about three or four, right? Uh-huh. So let's start with timing. And uh, timing is a is one of the 12 principles of animation, and it describes how uh, the animated characters move through time. If you have poor timing, then the movements on your characters are going to be interpreted as too fast or too slow, and the audience is going to lose interest. But I think they did some really interesting variety of timing in this film. Uh, first thing I noticed were the Nice Landers, and mm-hmm. they're... So they're like little 8-bit arcade characters, and it translates into their movements like in the game world when they're interacting with Ralph. I and like everything's that. just kind of like blip, 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 mm-hmm. how they like do that. And it's not like they just took frames out of their animation. Like they obviously took time in the, into thinking about how they would move. Um, when I was doing a 2D class, we would like act out the motions of our animated characters. And um, I wonder like how they did that, like how, if they pantomimed it before they like animated it, animated it and stuff. Um, I don't know if Renato had any cool things to say about that. But yeah. You know, I found them annoying at first. Like, honestly I did like to watch. Yeah. It's just how they kind of did that little jerky, like little, you know, movement. Yeah. I could definitely see how they're annoying, like just because it's not smooth and fluid, and, and that's kind of what animation has grown to be. That's you're trying to resemble life, and these people, this isn't like real life. Real life for them is eight bit. You know, um, it just kind of to me shows their lack of technological advantage. They are stuck in the eight bit world, and they are never going to progress. But the thing that I guess kind of bothered me was that Ralph and Felix they didn't move that way. Yeah. Uh, maybe they did to like a slight extent, but not to the annoying way that the actual nice landers moved. And I thought, okay, well, if they're from the same world, they should have their, they have the same code and the same programming. Like I, I get it. They're the main characters and like, it'd be annoying to watch them do that the whole movie. But oh, yeah. I mean, come on, stick with your character. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, fix it. Felix Jr.'s movements were <laughs> fix it. Felix Jr. From the game. Fe- fix it. Felix Jr. <laughs> um, his movements were really like quick and, and spry and they seem to be more so than Ralph's. But I agree. It was kind of a strange little conundrum how they moved semi-normally, but the Nicelanders didn't. Yeah. I don't know. 
I noticed that in the the test grading, they had a lot more sound effects to them walking. Like they had the the old Super Mario, like boink 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 boink, like every time they would walk anywhere. And oh I, wow! I wish that they would have kept that. I don't know. They probably might have had a little legal stuff maybe with that. I don't know, but. Uh, it, that really made it really funny and like you caught on to it a lot easier. Like, Oh yeah, that was something that really, that a lot of people laughed at. Um, but did you also notice how every, like when they threw the frosting or the cake or whatever in the beginning, all of it was like spread on the wall in eight bit form. Yeah. Yeah, It was all pixelated. (laughs) It was awesome. It was, yeah, it was really interesting how they interpreted all that. Like just really cool. They did a great job with that. Yeah. And they stayed really true to everyone's character. Like at the the bad guys anonymous meeting, Clyde, uh, the orange ghost from Pac Man, he only moves uh, horizontally and vertically. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. And then they all walk. And then they all walk out, and they were actually in the arena for the level for Pac Man uh-huh. in the little the little room where the ghost. <laughs> come in. Yeah, that was. I remember that from the test screening, and I thought that was absolutely hilarious and clever. Oh, um, just because you, you have no idea where this meeting is, and then you you zoom out and you see these eight bit version of, of Ralph walking away with a cherry, and you just it crack up laughing. It's hilarious. Yeah, and then the surge protector. I thought the surge protector was really funny. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, just last word, final word on the animation. It's like really good, like. <laughs> Honestly, they managed to create... Yes. The animation is good. good. It is most excellent. Um, (laughs) It is very excellent to itself now the uh the biggest feat for me is that they managed to create these like different worlds but like they literally were their own little self-contained worlds like everyone looked moved acted different and they had these amazing color schemes and these amazing designs but it was all true to uh you know what what they interpreted as these games like it is a good like milestone and it's a good message on where animation is right now like if they just made a movie about video game characters and it worked mm-hmm. you know this is like a big deal it's a big deal for disney in general i mean there was princess and the frog which which was okay it didn't receive it was pretty well received by critics but not by audiences and then there was tangle it's like oh awesome you know maybe they're back and and winnie the pooh and i think this is really kind of the telltale sign like okay can you do anything other than princess movies and make it work? Cause that's kind of where Disney's fallen in in other years and in the past when they've tried to do this, especially in 3d. And so to me, this is a huge signal for the studio that things are great. They're, they're back, they're competing and lots of good things that we can expect from them. Yeah, totally. Now characters in this film, Cowick does. <laughs> First of all, the actors recorded their lines in a group together. Uh, like in Surf's Up, which I think is super cool. Like it leads to, led to all that improv. Yeah. So all that banter, you know, all the like back and forth between Ralph and Vanellope, I guess a lot of that was improv or some of it was improv. But anyway, this, I guess that format just was really conducive to it. Yeah, it's, I, I kind of like the way that this trend is going. When we interviewed Bill Farmer, we asked him, you know, which is better? And he, he's, said, oh, hands down, uh, being in a group setting, you know, just being able to play off someone with your lines makes your performance that much better. And so, you know, the fact that Disney kind of took advantage of that in this and they recorded people together, I think it really helped the film um, a lot. I mean, I don't know what it would have been like without, but I'm glad they did. Yeah, totally. So going into these characters, um, voiced by a pretty cool cast, like Wreck-It Ralph is voiced by John C. Riley, who I think he, he really fit this character. Like, 
of course Ralph looks like John C. Riley. <laughs> but um I thought like that that whole personality and like his voice just kind of matched really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a good job at creating a character to fit his voice and it just worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's going to be like the tagline for this episode. It just worked. Like it made it work. Um, Ralph of course was inspired by Donkey Kong. Remember when Chelsea was talking about, you know, they released those, um, those stills or those like production, uh-huh. uh, art for the, for the movie. And Chelsea was like, yeah, that one looks like Donkey Kong. It so did. <laughs> well, I think the Wreck-It Ralph game itself was, was kind of inspired by, um, by Donkey Kong. Yeah. It kind of looks like the same thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it, I mean, I understand why Donkey Kong wasn't in this game. I think if anyone thinks, you know, in 8-bit arcade games, Donkey Kong is the first one, one of the first ones that come to mind, you know, Pac-Man and Asteroid, whatever. But Donkey Kong's huge, and we didn't even see him around. And I think that's because they didn't really want, the the inspiration and comparison was obvious, and I didn't think they wanted them to say, like, oh, we're knocking off Donkey Kong and have DK walking around. But um, it just helped. So that comparison didn't get made, and you just got, you just focused on Ralph. Yeah, but it would have been cool to see him. <laughs> yeah, but and I know they wanted they they mentioned Mario in in the movie, but and I know that Disney oh, wanted yeah. to have the Mario Brothers in it, but apparently the fee was too high to to have them featured. But I'm kind of glad they didn't because I'm pretty sure Mario and Luigi could have just like solved. The, their whole problem and saved the arcade <laughs> game stealers for them, you know. Yeah, they are They're, ultimate super sleuths. They are super sleuths. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Luigi was locked in a haunted mansion for a while. You know, um, he can handle. Does anyone remember Mario that. is missing? Mario is missing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was was that um was that SNES? Yeah, and it was just a Luigi game where you had to like go around the world and figure out what place Mario was because he'd like been kidnapped or lost. And like, I remember trying to buy this game because my brothers and I rented it one time, and it's like impossible to find. It was like a really rare game. <laughs> yeah, well, who kidnapped him? Carmen San Diego? I don't even know. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad they didn't have him. Yeah, anything else on, on Ralph? I mean, he's cool. Like, he can do this cool thing where he can, like, punch things really quick. Oh. <laughs> but in the dramatic parts of the film, the most dramatic parts, he has to punch really slowly. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it would have worked if it was like, I'm sorry, Vanellope, I'm doing this for your own good. <gasps> you know? I liked Ralph because I thought he has potential to become a classic Disney character. You know, he's not perfect and, you know, he's trying to be better. And then he, he becomes really admirable and likable at the end. You, you realize even though he's a bad guy, he's, he's cool and he's, he's a good guy. You know, this sounds like his, his redemption, I guess. Yeah, totally. You know, this kind of sounds like Shrek, like Ralph kind of reminds me of like a Shrek type character, like definitely Definitely an anti-hero, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never, I never made that comparison, but you're totally right. I didn't make it till just five seconds ago. Oh, <laughs> isn't that crazy? You are, you are listening to magic happen, listeners. But, uh, but yeah, um, I thought he was cool. I really liked how they played the juxtaposition between Ralph and Vanellope in this. They did a really good job with that. Um, the big guy and then the little girl, you know, it's kind of got that yeah, what a, to what play a, off each other. Yeah, what a beautiful dynamic. It's almost like a King Kong and the chick dynamic. Like, he's <laughs> big, powerful, 
she's little and and kind of help, kind of vulnerable, and they find a way to work together. Like it's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, voiced by Sarah Silverman. I guess she's a comedian. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who she is, but whenever like Sarah Silverman got brought up, like at Comic Con or uh, Destination D, like everyone was screaming for her. So I'm like, oh, apparently she's a big deal. I have no idea. We're kind of. What did, what did y'all What did y'all like best about her? Penelope or Sarah Silverman? <laughs> <laughs> Penelope, played um, by Sarah Silverman. <laughs> um, I I liked her a lot at the test screening. I didn't like Penelope. I thought she was okay. Um, but I think man, with the test screening, I think just the whole the, the whole thing was unfinished. Yeah, her it, part wasn't done at all. A lot of things just kind of got lost in translation. But you know, she I completely fell in love with her at this screening. You know, she's this little girl. She's sweet and. I mean, Sarah Silverman did a great job. Her voice is so yeah. unique. Definitely a great job on her part. Yeah, like he could, like she looks like a little girl, but she like she doesn't have an annoying little girl voice. You know, mm-hmm. not like uh, not like Sen from um, Spirited <laughs> Away. You know, <laughs> don't, don't don't eat too much. You turn to a pig and they'll eat you. <laughs> to me, for me, she stole the show. Like she yeah. really stole the show here. Um, she's kind of annoying, but she's like so adorable that she don't care, you know. Yeah. I think you're a winner. I'm a winner, and you're adorable. I'm adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Like she had the funniest lines. She was a bit crude, and yeah, I was she kind of was a, such a big fan of that. It seems like she was kind of like a tomboy in the fact that she used kind of this like potty humor. And I don't know. I just didn't, I wasn't a fan. I was like, Oh, let's class it up a bit. Disney. I just didn't think that it would go to that level. Yeah. I want a medal at heroes duty. And she's like, (laughs) duty. You better watch where you step in a place called heroes duty. (laughs) What did you do? Get a medal for wiping. He's like, no, (laughs) Yeah, so she's got that kind of crude side, definitely. But I also got, like, super emotionally connected with her. Like, you start figuring out, like, who she is. You know, she's a little glitch. She's not supposed to be there. She's, like, a mistake. And there are some parts where she totally breaks your heart. I think it's because she doesn't feel sorry for herself. Yeah. Yeah. That's one huge thing. Is like, when you see somebody who you know, like... Dude, your life sucks. <laughs> but when you see someone who's unbreakable that starts to break, that is like, that is like, ugh, <laughs> ugh. I don't know. I don't know when I got more teary eyed when Bane broke Batman's back or when. Um, I haven't seen this yet. Don't do that. I mean, uh, in the video game. Um, hey, video Chelsea, game. this is your own fault. I know. It's yeah. been out since July, and you didn't have yeah. a mission as an excuse. I know. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about going to see it in the dollar theater, but I was like, I just never got around to it, okay? <laughs> Freaking Morgan, that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, it is your fault, Chelsea, okay? And sorry, fans. Dark Knight Rises spoilers will may may be in here, um, but I don't know when I cry when I when I got more emotional when that happened or when um, when Ralph is is forced to smash her like new racer because he thinks I think her. I was sad during that part her yeah. face and oh yeah oh, that, that hurt. The, the lighting changes and everything's so dark and gloomy I was like oh my gosh they're they're breaking our hearts <laughs> they're breaking our hearts. 
But yeah, um, or when those stupid little little Cabbage Patch Kid other racers come and 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 wreck her car and push her in the mud. I was like, hey, okay, you didn't have to push her in the mud. <laughs> it's little chocolate. Shirts. It's okay. It is chocolate. I love chocolate. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I love Penelope. Like she's so freaking cute. Like double stripe. Double stripe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I liked how she, you know, how you were talking about how she's kind of more vulnerable, you know, with the juxtaposition of Ralph. But at the same time, she was the stronger of the two. Like, she knew who she was, and she wasn't trying to break it. And she was like, no, I know there's something in me that's bigger than this. And I think that was something that kind of propelled you forward, too, because you're just like, you're so endearing. I just want to follow your story, and I want you to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, can uh, Vanellope von Schweetz be an official Disney princess now? She can I be kind of like the she can be like the anti princess, you know. <laughs> I don't know. That was kind of funny because I felt like, oh, of course Disney would throw a random princess in there. But I mean, the way they did it was funny. It was like she's the candy queen or the candy princess, and you know, and then she's like, he actually was an imposter. Like, yeah, and and then she's like, oh, I'm thinking more of a constitutional democracy. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody laughed at that. <laughs> Although, I, if I were in her shoes, I would have kept the princess title. I would have executed I, those I would have, have kept... <laughs> I'm not a psychopath. I was just very all. emotionally attached to and supportive of Penelope. <laughs> anyway. Well, yeah, I, uh, they, the, I mean, they conveniently uh, tied everything up the bow by saying, like, oh, our memories were stolen, and we actually love you, Vanellope. It's awesome. It's like, oh, I buy it, but, mm, but I buy it. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. She's cool enough to forgive him and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I think the weakest character out of the main cast was Fix It Felix Jr. Yeah, uh, I guess voice- yeah. Voiced by oh, the guy who's Kenneth from 30 Rock, and he was on Despicable Me. What's his name? Mm, never seen 30 Rock. What? You, Morgan, you've never seen 30 Rock? I haven't oh, either. I've always heard I should. That's yeah, you definitely need you to. Just, like, never get around to it. If I know you, Morgan, I, I, I'd like to think that I do. Uh, that that movie, that, the 30 Rock, is kind of made for you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you basically fit the personality of everyone on that show. Of everyone uh, on that show. <laughs> that is a very, very uh, high endorsement. So I will take your advice and watch this as soon as I can. Yeah, so anyway, back to animation. Jack McBrayer is, uh, <laughs> is the, um, the voice of Fix-It Felix Jr. And I, I thought it was pretty funny. When he's like, yeah. I'm not gonna do boo. Pardon my, pardon my French. <laughs> yeah, I but, love uh, that he had this old, uh, he had this old dialect and this old vocabulary, and just that's just had these funny euphemisms for things. It was great. Yeah, that's that's how he is in Thirty Rock. Like, if you want more fix it, Felix Junior, watch Thirty Rock. <laughs> but um, I thought it was cool. Like, he was definitely the weaker character, but I liked how he wasn't a jerk. You know. Sure, mm-hmm. it was awkward, you know, when uh, Ralph is like, mm, wow, cake. Never never had that before. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, boy, I'd really like to have a slice. That'd be awesome. Oh, right. Uh, suppose you wouldn't want to come in for a slice, you know. <laughs> um, but he is a nice guy, and he does want to help fix it. I mean, that's just his personality. Mm-hmm. But he's, like, trying to get out of the prison. He's like, oh, why do I have to fix everything I touch? <laughs> I love that one. 
Um, one thing I just remembered uh, in the in the test screening, I remember there was one scene that they didn't put in the in the scene in the final product was where uh, he is talking to Sergeant Calhoun. And he's just like, I need to go get him. If I don't get him, then I won't have anything in there for me to fix. I need this. And she's like, well, aren't you codependent? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And more on Calhoun in a second, because she's like an awesome character. Um, But speaking of them, too, I thought it was really mature and cool of Disney to leave the love story to minor characters like Felix and Sergeant Calhoun. Yeah, yeah. Because this movie has a strong message about, to me, it was a very parent-child, like, friend-defend message about, you know, what it means to be important. Like, you could go for glory and recognition from people who probably don't really care about you in the first place, you know, or you can focus on on lifting others up to lift yourself up, you know? Yeah. It was kind of like a Toy Story thing, you know, that life's only worth living if you're being loved by a kid. And Vanellope von Schweetz is a kid, but I think you could you could transfer this dynamic and, and translate it into all sorts of relationships. But it, I thought it was really cool that they didn't they weren't like Nightmare Before Christmas, where Ralph is like, "Oh, by the way, there's this girl that I've been that I like, and let's get together." You know? Yeah, they did a really good job with Sergeant Calhoun. Like oh, her yeah. backstory. <laughs> made... She has the most tragic. <laughs> she's been programmed with the most tragic backstory. <laughs> Scene. That just made made you're, her character. You're a dynamite gal. Dynamite you're a dynamite gal. gal. You're a dynamite, dynamite gal. gal. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I love it. Like she's super tough, but she's got a backstory that's true to her game self. Yeah. You know, every everyone in the film, she's the one that's the most constant. You know. Yeah. She's like the cat and Barbosa of this film. She never changes. She's always herself. You know, I I love her. I I love how they make this huge commentary about women in video games, because, of course, in video games, uh, all women that mean anything have great bodies and it's a lot of sex. Mm -hmm. Um, I just love her character. You know, fear is a four letter word, ladies. You want to go pee pee and your big boy smacks. Keep it to yourself. (laughs) I freaking love it, man. Where's Matowski? Um. I thought she was great. Like just her like super like gung ho, like I'm going to shoot everything that moves, you know, dynamic. Um, all her like catchphrases about everything. Oh my gosh. Her like old wartime slogans and things. Yes. <laughs> it's like chaos and doomsday got together and had one ugly baby, you know? <laughs> yeah. I thought, I mean, the only thing that was kind of unfortunate about her, I mean, she's a great character and I think she was definitely needed. We needed another girl there. And, uh, it was, Probably a more mature girl compared, you know, with Vanellope, who's this little girl who's just so immature, and Sergeant Alcoon on the other side is is super mature, um, not so ladylike, I guess. She's more masculine because she kind of has to be in her world, but and uh, her job. But Jane Lynch kind of always plays the same character, so she was kind of just your typical Jane Lynch, you know. Uh, you know, in, in Glee, she plays the the cheerleading coach, and she's essentially the same person. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely know why they casted her because she's perfect for what they wanted in Sergeant Calhoun and she works, but it's just like, okay, Jane, you're doing the same thing over and over, but if you've made your mark, I guess play it. Don't fight it. Yeah. You know, if they brought in Rihanna for that character, would you have complained, Morgan? (laughs) Point taken. Yes. (laughs) Hey, get away from that cyberbug. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) 
Nicki Minaj should have been Sergeant Calhoun. Oh, well, sequel, I guess. Oh, there you go. <gasps> um, but yeah, um, yeah, but anyway, uh, favorite characters were, were definitely Vanellope Von Sweets and Sergeant Calhoun. Like, Sergeant Calhoun was like super funny and just added this like wacky element to the film. And then Vanellope was just like super adorable and, and awesome. I agree. So, what are some like favorite scenes or characters, quotes, gags? Let's just do a big old grab bag here. Um, let's see. Um, I like, well, I like the bad guys anonymous scene. I thought that mm-hmm. was really funny. And that was like the big, that was like the big feature on the preview. You know, I think that's what yeah. got a lot of people like really into this film. Cause they're like, it's one of those what if things that, uh-huh. that sparks so many great ideas in animation. Like what if the bad guys got together and, and they had like a support group, you know, cause it's tough being the bad guy, you know, <laughs> I like to do it. like, thanks Satan. Oh, it's actually pronounced Satine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, and there's like, did you guys notice that there's like a black ninja, but he's like in his combat pose the whole time listening. Like at any moment he could like jump around and like do a crazy ninja move, but like he oh, doesn't really? say anything. Yeah. I never if noticed you, that. That's hilarious. If you look, he's, he's right in between like Bowser and, and the Satan Satin guy. Uh-huh. There's like a ninja, I guess from Ninja Gaiden or something like that, oh. or from, or from Time Crisis, but he's just like sitting there, but he's like in his combat pose, like just looking around. He did a good job about being invisible. I didn't uh, there you go. There's actually a group of ninjas at one part of the game that you see him at the, at the game central station. And you know what? During the film, I really wanted to like, just pause the movie and take in all the game cameos when they're doing these big shots. Yes. That's station. what my brother said. My brother was like, ah, where's my remote? I want to pause and look at all these people. I know. I mean, in the Blu-ray is going to be a popular sale. I bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the big deal with Chun-Li? Was was she supposed to do something? Oh, yeah. When we went to the test screening, Chun-Li was the DJ at the 30th anniversary party. And so she was the DJ at uh, the Nice Landers apartment. I didn't, I didn't recognize... I didn't the recognize DJ was the... Shrillex. They, like, changed it and it became Shrillex. Oh, Shrillex. Which, I don't even know who he is. Probably a playoff of Skrillex, which is a big dubstep. Oh, word. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, okay. I figured that they tried to put somebody in there that was kind of, like, meant for that job anyway. Like, that's who they would ask. But yeah. I really liked the idea of them asking Chun-Li to come in uh, just as a random thing. Like, yeah. hey, maybe she's have the hobby. It's <laughs> exactly created like, oh, what do these video game characters do out, you know, when the game's done and the arcade turns off? Well, okay, well Chun Li is a DJ in her spare time and this person's this. Like it created kind of something kind of fun and out of character. But no more. Yeah, Doesn't no more. Exist. They did they did show her walking around though. She was walking around with uh that girl uh Oh the other girl the kind of Yeah she was she's, a Jenny yeah, the or... one that's kind of like the girl counterpart of the guy with the tall hair. Guile? Guile, yeah. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> Street Fighter, Chelsea. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I zoned out for a second. Notice how there are no Mortal Kombat characters. No, there was Mortal Kombat there was characters. Mortal Kano. Kombat. Yeah. Kano was in it. Yeah. It is so, I really liked the arcade, just in general. Like, I kind of wish there were more scenes of the arcade and... Uh, I, I thought girl who who goes and she plays Heroes Duty, oh, yeah. she was hilarious. And then when she goes and she plays, you know, she kind of she kind of progresses the story along because you're able to jump from one scene to another. And she goes to fix it, Felix Jr. And she's like, "What happened to the wrecking guy?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I love how Felix has to like improvise. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. 
<laughs> but yeah, I liked that. So what did y'all think about Hero's Duty? I thought that was like one of the coolest parts of the film. Yeah, it, it was super short, and it had to be because they had to move on. But I liked Hero's Duty visually better than Sugar Rush. There's just a lot going in Sugar Rush. That it was yeah. like, it's like they took on too much or more than they could chew. But Hero's Duty is good. Oh, you're so high definition. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. It's great. <laughs> I love it. I like the I like the concept of in the game world the the player is this little laptop that runs around with a turret gun. That was yeah, yeah. person shooter. That was like such a genius way to interpret that. Yeah, she was like, you never interfere with the first person shooter. Yeah. I love it. And then um I love how Ralph when she's playing the game, she's seeing Ralph like flail around and like try to get away and be like, Oh my gosh, since when did video games become so violent? <laughs> it was such oh, that was a great line. And then you, you juxtapose that with Sugar Rush and you're in a completely different world. My favorite, I loved when those kids those little those boys were like, uh uh-uh. uh. We've got this all day. Oh my gosh. That's like, like so, okay. Night. Ever been to an arcade? There's always guys or, you know, these hardcore gamers who are there all day long and they just sit and they play the same game over and over and over. And I thought it was hilarious that it was just like these two teenager guys and they were all about Sugar Rush because <laughs> they want to call the characters. It's just, it's totally how it is where guys or people are playing games that aren't really meant for them or geared for them, but they're just doing it because they do it. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's really bad arcade etiquette. I mean, there's always the dude at at um on Dance Dance Revolution who never gets <laughs> off. So and I go off and the fan above him is going crazy. Yeah, and so I um when I'm at an arcade, I go and find like an old retro game or something like that. Like it's a two dollar games. Like okay, what do you do if you die? You have to put in two more dollars. Wah, wah. <laughs> I know it's terrible. I uh, I love Galaga. I always play Galaga at the arcade. So, yeah, going to Sugar Rust, first of all, I want to establish this, put this on the table. King Candy equals the Mad Hatter. Oh, totally. Like, the the comparison and the similarities are too close. It almost goes without saying. (laughs) It's a fun dungeon. It's a fun dungeon. That's the play on words. You wouldn't hit a man with glasses, would you? Ooh, you hit a man with glasses. I see what you did there. That's clever. (laughs) Well well played, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I, I liked how, how everything he did, he had to flail his arms about. <laughs> Even when he was, like, big, bad, final boss guy. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Oreo. That was my favorite! Didn't you guys ever sing that? No. Oh, yeah, everyone who's ever, who knows what Wizard of Oz is. It was fantastic. The first time I saw that, I just, I could not stop laughing. You don't remember that from Wizard of Oz, Morgan? I remember it, but I never sang it. Uh-huh. Chelsea was like, "Didn't you guys ever sing that?" And I said, "No." Never, never been a mindless drone. <laughs> Not for me. Not for, okay. um, I really liked the racers. I thought they were kind of cool. They played into those themed games where everyone is just a variation of whatever the main theme was. In this case, it was candy, and so there was like a candle head. I don't know. There, there's all sorts of variations to what they were, but I liked the random, like preppy boy racer. They were all girls. What? There was just one. Yeah. There was a boy. preppy little boy racer. Yeah, I'm positive this was a boy and not a girl. It's so the you one. Gotta go it, back and watch it. He was wearing like little shorts and like a little hat. It was just funny to me because it was like totally a girl game, but it's like, oh, we have our little token boy who looks like he's from 1910 and should it like be licking a lollipop and holding a balloon. Oh. <laughs> 
But yeah, I, I like the racers. I thought they were funny. They were mean, but they were Ugh, awesome. Their design. I'm like, okay, if Disney does not capitalize on Sugar Rush and make this a real arcade game, same thing with Heroes Duty. It's a huge miss for them because I would totally go play a Sugar Rush racing game. And I challenge anyone who wants to beat me to it. I would win. Well, well, okay. uh, I don't think so. <laughs> you, you doubt my mad racing skills, Morgan? I just think yeah. I've spent more time in an arcade than you. This That's is a probably thing. true. <laughs> You know, the, the, the brilliance, the, the beauty of video games is that people who've never done anything in their life can, not not saying that y'all are fit into that category, oh, but totally useless, totally useless people can brag about things that, that are on video games yeah, because well. they can do that. I will totally kick your can on NFL Blitz. I'm so glad I now fit into that category. No, you do. No, you don't. <laughs> like the, it's like that Simpsons quote with Millhouse. He's like, come over that line and say that. I'll kick your butt. At Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's with anything, like board games, any, any type of games. You can always brag about how great you are. Um, mm-hmm. I, re- I recently got into a, a, a pretty big smack talking about Super Smash Bros. with a coworker at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went down to the basement and had a little, had a little tournament. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, it's, uh, it's like the, the awesome thing about video games that you can brag about how good you are. <laughs> You know, some of it requires skills. You get these Japanese games that are like, uh, Japanese games are so much more difficult. You beat a game in America, and it's like, congratulations, you win. In Japan, you, you beat the same game. It's like, all right, tutorial complete. Now on to the, <laughs> to the real game. But, um, you know, what a, what a cute game. Like, I keep wanting to say game, but it's a movie. What a cute movie game. Game movie. Like, she just wants to finish the race, but she has to win the race. At the same time, all the cybugs come out. And so you've got your you got your kind of quintessential Disney climax, you know, when like bunch of stuff is going on and everyone has to prove themselves. I loved how King Candy, who's actually Turbo, and you know what? I love how they refer to Turbo this whole time, and then they they don't explain it in the beginning of the film. Yeah, they're just like, oh, you're not going Turbo, are you? Yeah, and everybody and everybody's like, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. Um, you kind of get it, but you don't. You're like, you, you just, just assume it, it means. Yeah, skipping. You you know? It means thing. Yeah, going against anything. I don't know. Going a going a wall and, and yeah. destroying someone's game. Right. Um, but I love how he's really turbo. Uh, who's really scary looking? Actually, he's kind of like a zombie <laughs> zombie like racer dude. <laughs> I like how he tries to get into the new game. Turbo it's tastic. turbo time. It. Oh yeah. Like, Is that turbo? <laughs> <laughs> turbo tastic. Turbo tastic. No, that was clever. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, and then he makes his, he gets absorbed by a cyber, you know, and they open that up at the beginning where Sergeant Calhoun explains that they become what they eat, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he has this terrifying final boss transformation that's like totally out of a video game. Like, yeah. I loved it. Per- perfect climax, perfect final battle for a video game movie. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it was, it was awesome because every video game, it seems, uh, there's always the last stage where you have to beat the big boss and usually it's a circular ring. And even in the movie, it was like in a circle at the very top of that thing. Um, and, but this, or, or either that, or if you're playing a side scrolling game, you're the guys on the other side from you, but I thought it was perfect. I mean, they had a boss on a video game movie, you know, just like perfectly tied it up. Like, of course, the way to get to the end of this movie is to beat the boss. Right. Yeah, Totally. I'm not going to lie. When the exposition is all kind of like finished out and they're wrapping the film up, 
you know, and it shows Ralph and he's smiling because he always gets to see Sugar Rush and he gets to see Vanellope racing. And then it's over. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's no more. It was kind of like a Finding Nemo ending, like super sweet, super happy. But I think they could have done it a little differently. I don't know. Like maybe wrapped it up a little better. Um, I thought the movie wrapped up a little poorly, but I thought the ending was cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't stay during the credits, though. My girlfriend had to pee. Oh, the credits were the coolest because they were all 8-bit, which were oh, cool, really? but they got, yeah, they were they were really cool, and they, they, they kind of got annoying after a while because they were so 8-bit, and that's hard to look at for a long time, but they just had these references back to all these different video games. Like, there was one, you know, they listed different people working on it, and they had, you know... Blanca from Street Fighter and he was fighting someone and then the classic Street Fighter thing where you have to, you know, it's a bonus level where you have to destroy the car. Yeah. And so that was one of the credits and there were just like so many of these, if you ever played any video games, like you probably got half of them because they were just, they were great. And I wanted to stay to see what the next credit would do and what game it was going to reference because they really went to town. Yeah, they really did a good job. And at the very, very, very end, you know, I stayed to the end because I was like, okay, I just have to stay to the end for every movie now because I don't want to miss the bonus, whatever. And it didn't have a scene or anything at the end, but it's just the when they show the Disney logo again right before they close it out, um, the logo went all glitchy and Uh 8-bit. Like there was a glitch and it was really funny. So that was was good. That's pretty good. I mean, it it wrapped up nicely. I should have stayed for the credits, though. I think that would have been cool. So I I want to go first just because I I just loved 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 this movie. I thought it was a fantastic storyline. It, it appealed to all ages. You know, it appealed to the gamer, it appealed to the young kids, it appealed to the older people. It just did a good job with making just total family friendly. And then you go on top of that, it got emotionally connected, and then you add in all this classic nostalgia that just leaves you saying, "Wow, that was awesome." And I just know that this is going to have major replay value throughout forever. (laughs) And so just because of that, all of those things together, I'm giving it a five stars. Wow. Whoa. And it didn't have any musical numbers. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm I'm going out of my comfort zone here. It's a big deal. Sheesh, that is a big deal. I think this is the first time Chelsea's given five stars to an animated film that didn't have uh, songs in it. Not true. (laughs) I mean, Toy Story didn't really have songs. I mean, it had songs, yes. but yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't have songs, but it had songs. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't like a musical, you know? Yeah. Well, good deal. What do you think, Morgan? Okay, I'm going to give it four and a half stars. I'm kind of sticking with my very good rating that I gave it at the test screening when they wanted my opinion and I filled it out. I didn't think it was excellent. I still think there are uh, flaws here and there that that kind of drag it down, but not that much. Um, it's clever. It's original. I love the animation. I love everything that they did with contrasting all the different worlds and making them different yet cohesive at the same time. It was just really fun. Um, I was laughing all the time. This is not only one of the best animated films of the year, but it's also one of the best comedies of the year, I think, just because it's hilarious. And you're definitely going to have a fun time laughing at this movie. Um, It's very nostalgic, and it definitely plays on that. And I enjoyed it. It was retro. Um, I 
think really the lasting value of this movie, why it's so good is that it has a general appeal to everyone. Like my parents saw it, my 35 year old sister saw it, my gamer brother saw it, my niece and nephew saw it, I saw it, and we all loved it. You know, we all came out with different things about it that we liked it, but we liked it in the end. So to me, it's very good, and I'm very proud of Disney for this. And uh, yeah, four and a half stars. This is a real contender for best animated feature in my book. Yeah, I agree. I'm giving it four and a half stars as well. Animation-wise, this movie is a masterpiece. They just made everything work. The whole thing with Sugar Rush and that part of the film kind of annoyed me a little bit. That's why I didn't get a perfect score. But um, I really think this film is like super strong. I really think it could be just as famous as Tangled was a few years ago. The final words on it is that like this is a beautiful film. And it's very entertaining. Like, it's super entertaining. And um, Chelsea's right. This has replay value that's just ridiculous. Like, folks are going to be, like, bored and be like, hey, what do you want to watch? Oh, let's watch Wreck-It Ralph. Put it in, you know? Yeah, definitely. And not just kids. I think, you know, college students and teenagers, this is a movie that will appeal and be cool to watch. Oh, seriously. Like, even though there's, like, a bunch of little kids at the theater, like, all my adult friends want to see this. Yeah. Way to go, Disney marketing. Way to go. Slow clap. Top shelf. <laughs> Turbo tastic. This comes straight from Disney headquarters. Disney has bought Lucasfilm, which is, in yeah. case you don't know, it is, um, what's his name? What's George. George, George Lucas? Lucas. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh. Should you really be doing this, Morgan? I don't know. It's been a long day. Okay. There we go. One for the blooper reel. It's not like everything's going to turn into you know. It's a wonderful day for pie. It's not going to turn into that. And it's uh, that's that from Family Guy where they parody uh, Disney oh. animation. <laughs> it's actually really funny. Your sound is your sound is really good, by the way. What? Oh, really? Yeah. What are you? Are you, is it changed at all? Mm, diet and exercise. Good job. <laughs> all right. Well, here's to another great show. <laughs> the freaking thunder tube. You press record, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good.